0: each and every day enjoy the simple six menu at subway an entire made-for-you meal featuring one of six six six-inch sandwiches like the italian bmt or black forest ham with any bag of chips and a 21-ounce drink all for only six dollars subway eat fresh
1: the bs report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects the bs report the bs report
0: with bill Simmons. South by Southwest, we're in Austin. Horatio Sands, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. What a beautiful set you have here. Thank you. Are you a basketball fan or no? Are you a sports fan? I'm a sports fan, mostly yeah. Chicago sports. So, I, I was dating a girl in Chicago in the mid-90s, and I saw you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in which improv group was that?
1: I was probably at Improv Olympic or maybe uh, Second City. That's what it was, Second
0: City. Yeah, and it was early, and it was like, you kind of just jumped out. And it was like, all right, I'm... That guy. Oh, yeah? It's gonna, something's going to happen with that guy. Oh, I thank kind you. Of feel it. I'm going <laughs> to say it was like 97, and then you were on SNL like two years later. I was like, ah. Yeah, yeah. 98. Yeah. So um, how long were you on SNL? Like Til, seven years, right? 98 to
1: 2006. Did you go back for SNL 40? I did. How was it? It was great. Um, I, I smoked a joint with uh, Keith Richards. Uh, so you did? That was the highlight. Most That was the biggest highlight. Then I, I hung out with Lucy Liu and watched like Prince and that. So the uh, prince was thing exciting. was
0: the it, prince thing was legendary right like yeah. jimmy found called him up and
1: i was out front and then i heard i heard yeah i heard uh prince i'm like oh they're playing prince maybe there's dancing going on and someone's like no no it's prince <laughs> so, so we all ran and then watched that and then afterwards jimmy's like you should have jumped on stage and i'm like yeah thank you but right. yeah i'm gonna jump on stage <laughs> with like whoever the hell was there Just and, yeah like, put my arm around prince and you know, I don't know. but So I didn't do that, but uh, but it was definitely a, a cool party.
0: Did you think that show was going to work when they were telling you about everything, all the people that were coming? Were you thinking like, three hours, how are they going to do this?
1: Right. I thought we were going to come out cast by cast, kind of each generation, and then they were going to just show like 10, 15 minutes of clips. Yeah. So I had no idea that people were actually going to do sketches and that other, you know, hosts would come in and do old sketches. Yeah. Uh, but I think we were all really pleasantly surprised how they put it together. I think it was an entertaining show.
0: Well, what was what was it like just to watch that unfold in person?
1: Uh, I mean, it's just it's that there's this excitement in that building, you know. Yeah. And when you're going live, and uh, it just kind of just everything kind of feels like there's a little cloud over it, and you're in one one area, you know, and Steve Martin's doing something, and you're and you're just all I, most of them, I, I wasn't on camera very much because I was backstage. Yeah, yeah. And I was hanging out with Daryl, you know. And Daryl, because Daryl's still there. Yeah. And so we hung out in his room because you could smoke in there. So um, everyone would come by. You know, Dan Aykroyd and Chappelle came in. Uh, and I asked Chappelle if he wanted to smoke, and he's like, um, he's like, nah, I'm drinking tonight. So oh, he was drinking that made night. Made his choice so, early. So yeah, he made yeah. his choice early, yeah. Everybody made their choices early. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh,
0: when you started on that show, how nervous were you out a scale 1 to 10? Because I'm sure when you're at the different improv things, it's like someday that well,
1: might happen. Well, you know happen. what's interesting is when you saw me at Second City, that house has like 300 seats. Yeah. And it's the same thing at SNL, really. Yeah. Uh, that's the audience that's in the building. Obviously, there's millions watching at home. So there was something that kind of led to an ease at SNL that I had at Second City. Yeah. We're kind of just taking it to a different stage and literally kind of trying to get these people, to the 300 people to laugh so that it'll be on the air for the 5, 10 million right um so yeah but uh, luckily for me uh D- david spade told me he goes um are you nervous i'm like no he's like do you get excited i'm like yeah yeah i'm excited now <laughs> <laughs> but before i go on stage i guess um i can relax pretty good yeah uh, yeah it's like a safe a safe place so i, I don't get that nervous if i'm doing something familiar it seemed like you and Fallon kind
0: of latched onto each other a little bit on the show with yeah. a whole bunch of different things. Was this something like you guys were hanging out off the off, yeah, well, off we, the you know off the set or whatever, and then it kind of would translate into the bits you came up with?
1: We were hired at the same time, and then uh, we shared an office Oh so there's a lot of downtime, and especially because we both moved to New York you know at, at that time, so we basically had you know when you move to a place you kind of hang out at work a lot and um and so we hung out together, and we didn't really know what we were doing. But in the meantime, let's go out and have a drink. Let's go out and do this. Let's go out and do that. And we became quick friends. Um, and he's an Irishman. And he's an Irishman. He'll have a couple. He, he, yeah, he he likes to have a few. Uh, you know, he has a couple of kids now, so maybe yeah. he slowed down a bit. But definitely, when we were hanging, <laughs> that was uh, pretty pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So like, how, like the, the the webcam in college? How does that happen? Who comes up with that? What, how does that one unfold? That Jimmy, whole, Jimmy Gobi, comes What was it, Gobi's it. Room yeah, was called? It was yeah. called
1: Jarrett's Room. Jarrett's Room. Jared, um, you Jimmy were Gobi. And I was Gobi. Yeah, yeah. So basically I came in and I had like a pot joke. Right. Usually a song. I watched you know. most of those when I
0: was high, so I love those more than anything. Great, you can, great. It just really resonates in a different way. When, I yeah. always
1: thought that. I always thought that there was a nice connection with people. And then... Uh, People offered me marijuana all the time. Yeah, well that was an
0: unexpected benefit, I'm
1: sure, yeah, from being from yeah. having that character. But it wasn't really a benefit. I also won High Times Man of the Year. What? Because of Gobi. I mean, that's, that's amazing. a big honor. 2003 High Times Man of the Year. And I don't take that lightly. What is that banquet? <laughs> What's that uh, banquet like? The bank It was a great banquet. They were handing out joints to everybody, and it was in New York City. And you're like, ah, "Why? How is this happening?" But somehow it was all happening. Yeah. And but uh, was- I didn't smoke at the time. I just drank, because when I drank and smoked at the same time, I was it was terrible. I would like hide underneath my table. Right. Um, kitchen table. Uh, but when I but when uh but so. I was there, and I kind of took the, I got the award, but it was really kind of f- a fake thing, because I wasn't a, a stoner at all. What did the award look like? The award was a... Was it like a shaped a like marble? a bong? Yeah, exactly. There was a marble base that had Man of the Year on it. Yeah. Arisha Sands. And then on top, there was a bong that was,
0: you know, it would only be fitting. It. it would only be fitting if it got accidentally broken after, like, three years.
1: You know what? The, the bowl got broken. Yeah. Of course but it But they replaced that. So I still have it. Has who else were the High Times Men of the
0: Year? Like, was what kind of a steampunk company? I mean, <laughs> who was it?
1: Paul Shore, me, and Chappelle. And no rappers? How's that possible? I think, I'm, I think possible? I'm the only one that
0: made it on time. Oh, so that's you they gave it to one. you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of ironic, considering what what uh, what the award was. Yeah. That some people I mean, might have gotten was, derailed.
1: I mean, yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, years later though, I I have, I guess I felt guilty. that I got that award. So I've been trying to kind of smoke and see what that's like, right. um, belatedly for medicinal
0: reasons. Yeah, belatedly.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a card carrying, uh, you know, patient.
0: You live in California. Yes. It's joint e- pain. It's easy to get it in California.
1: Um, sometimes my hair hurts if I wear a hat too long. Right. Um, so I take I smoke weed for that. Anxiety maybe. My, underneath my my Rolex. It gets sweaty and I freak out. So I I'll have, a, <laughs> I'll have an indica for that. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a very nice thing, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very happy with it.
0: Were you, did you ever at any point when you were doing all that stuff with Fallon think he was going to go on and host The Tonight Show?
1: Was that I, ever in your well, head? Jimmy's so talented. Like, the thing with Jimmy is that he was like a sponge. Uh, I truly didn't think he was, his comedy was that good when he started, but he picked up from everyone, including me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I just saw he had this this confidence and this energy. He was like... Like a, like a Mickey Mouse kid. Yeah. You know, he knew how to dance. He could sing. I mean, he all he had all these impressions. So I just said, I just figured when he's gonna when he gets, like, his comedy brain beefed up, you know, I figured he's gonna be a movie star actually. Yeah. Because it started happening pretty fast for him. Yeah. But uh, but the Tonight Show, no, I I didn't see it. But obviously, it's an awesome fit for him. Yeah,
0: it seemed like he was going to head toward that same strategy that happens with a lot of SNL stars, where they do the show and it yeah. becomes a breeding ground to and just start making comedies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were the first generation after that Sandler cast, which was really the cast that everybody used it as a stepping stone to do other stuff. And then you always hear about like the people that came after that. It was like, oh, they did the show, and they but all the stuff's getting offered to them right away. Like, could you see that happening when you were when you were there? Bad scripts, um, all that kind of like Yeah. All the ways it could go wrong potentially.
1: Um Yeah, exactly. Exactly, because you're um you're hyper aware that you should be doing something. Yeah. And I think the the curse of that show is that you can't really enjoy it uh, as much as you should because you're you're just always constantly worried and, and like trying to figure stuff out.
0: Not getting airtime. Exactly. I'm That's not the on tonight's show. Day.
1: Yeah, yeah, I have to at least write something so that I can at least have a lottery ticket to this show. Yeah. Because if you don't write, you're just done. Right. Um, and so so for Jimmy, I, I just, you know, that movie he did didn't work out. And um, I don't know how much he really wanted to be a movie star. And uh, when this happened, he was working with Lauren, So it was a perfect fit. And, um, you know, he I mean, just fits perfectly. He's the only one who can do anybody, you know, per se, yeah. anyone. And, uh, and he's just very likable.
0: Your cast wasn't that big, especially when you joined. And I always think the cast should be smaller. And I actually, I did a podcast in Lauren's office, like, in November. And, was, and it was the one thing I forgot to ask him about. And then we start, talked about it after we finished taping. Because I was basically like, I think it's like a basketball team. You, you want to build around it. You have, like, your nine-man rotation.
1: You have your tall white guy.
0: Right. Well, <laughs> true. You have, they have different sizes. So
1: more like a hockey team.
0: Well, but sometimes the show have 16 people on it and it's, it's just yeah. there's not enough space to get everyone in and then it's like but he actually said he thought it was more like a baseball team which I thought was really interesting and he's like you have different people like you have pitchers and you have third, your third baseman I'm trying to learn a mm-hmm. Lauren but the way he explained <laughs> it actually
1: is like a slugger that you put in a ninth right. and he hits a grand slam And he tries to go deep <laughs> <laughs> but He strikes out a lot but he actually, but, you know, he goes for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you 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 had a good relationship with Lauren, right? I or did.
1: Spotty. A spotty. You're hesitating. You know, I'm hesitating because everyone has a a, a a very fatherly, not enough love, fatherly relationship with him. You're
0: trying to constantly win his affection.
1: Win his affection, and not just like, hey, Lauren, I like you, you like me. It's more like I want to make that guy laugh. And yeah. Then, and then after that, you know to be in his good graces is is certainly a lot better than to not be, you know? So if you let him in to your process, he feels like, oh, cool. Like, he it, it's a little thing, like, like if you make him feel part of it, you know? Because he, he basically wanted me to do the, the Christmas sketch again, the Christmas song, because his dentist really liked it. So he goes, my dentist really likes it. So let's do it again. And so I would always ask him, like, well, you know, the idea is that we're all in Christmas sweaters and it's kinda like from the sixties or yeah. Like an Andy Williams Christmas thing, but just gone gone bonkers. Bonkers. Yeah. And so then he would pick the outfits. You know, he would like go, it should be a sweater this time, or it should be velvet red jackets this time, you know. So that was a really cool that was how like the most we collaborated. Because everything else was through writers.
0: I love the Christmas song. Thank I you. I felt like it had a chance to really become like a real Christmas song that would move into the short list of it's you know, all late. the different ones, they did, you know, like White Christmas and all, all that yeah, well, stuff. Well, it was like, used
1: in uh, an Acura commercial this year. So you heard it a lot probably during football. Yeah. And uh, I didn't see much of that. Mm. But um. So when
0: the SNL, they, did, they redid the paperback last year, mm-hmm. Jim Miller's thing, and a lot of it was updated from the last 10 years. I thought you were one of the most interesting interviews. Like, a lot of the people hold back, but you were really candid about stuff you liked and didn't like. Like, did you, were you worried about being candid?
1: Yeah, uh, but but the way I saw it is, like, it, this book comes out, and the first book came out, and they basically were just wanting to find, like, you know, juicy bits, of, right. like, who did you hate, and, like, who is yeah, that yeah. uh And so, you know, t- to, to give them what they wanted, you know, I kind of, like, uh, you know, I mentioned a guy. And so then the last time I had a, you know, the next time they called, I wasn't working for the show anymore, and I'd had, like, I'd had enough time where I wasn't worried about, hurting Lauren's feelings or hurting anyone's feelings, really. But I am fair about the show. I'm not like, yeah, I'm not i not at all. I love the show and I love watching it and I love being there. But I just, I just thought that there were some things that they could have done differently uh, politically at the time. And I've right. blamed one of the writers.
0: Right. So did you regret
1: that after the fact or no? No, no. I mean, I still think it's, I mean, the guy's, the guy's uh, a genius, but his p- politics are kind of <laughs> And they're not with the show. But since he's such an, an, uh, an honored writer... That the, you You're know, talking the, about
0: Jim Downey? Jim Downey. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I don't really know Jim Downey, uh, but I know that I've worked with him and I just didn't like, you know, that the show... Like, for instance, when Pelosi took over, um, the sketch that we did that week was Pelosi, because she's from San Francisco, she was wearing a S&M outfit. And I was like, what? Right. <laughs> That's the what you get out of that story? Yeah. Uh, is that everyone in San Francisco is so weird that, they, that they're wearing leather and whipping each other. Right. And it was that kind of like conservative bull that, that I was against and I figured what the hell let's put it in print. Um, you know I'm not, I'm not afraid of... I wasn't afraid of people being upset because you know it's the truth what do you and care? I felt it. Yeah. Yeah exactly. It, it
0: is crazy how much the show can affect the political destinies of certain people. Like I really feel like SNL in a big part ruined Sarah Palin. I think it really hurt George Bush and then it w
1: George Bush too
0: of uh, W. I'm talking about the Carvey Bush.
1: Okay, yes, yes. It was so
0: hard to separate real George Bush from Carvey <laughs> Bush that yeah. I actually feel like it hurt him in some way. But then when Hartman used to do Clinton, it actually made me like Clinton more, like yeah. whatever his. But it's just weird; it can kind of nudge you in different directions. And Daryl's Clinton
1: is very charming, charismatic, yeah, yeah, and, and that funny. became a
0: different one. And, and, then, and so
1: you like that character, and you're right? Like, That's the guy I'm voting for, right? And the same thing when when uh, when W, you know. When that election came up, and it was really close, and we were talking about 10,000 votes maybe, with a difference in Florida and all that. Yeah. So if you're thinking that if people are on the fence and they watch SNL and they see Will Ferrell being W and having a beer and being a bro, Yeah. I think that maybe pushes it over. We're talking about 10 million people that are watching that. And to say that maybe 10,000 of those would be swayed by the television show isn't too crazy.
0: The show exaggerates whatever weird traits you might have, good and bad. Yes, and in the in with the wrong politician, it can just make them look like a buffoon. And actually, I thought Kate McKinnon did a Hillary Clinton um, in the last episode that was pretty savage. For like, they usually don't go after de- Democrats like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was like it was pretty brutal. I was thinking like, wow, if they keep this going, this actually could affect things a tiny bit. Like, really made her like a character. I mean, I'd
1: like the show to be more like that. I mean, I wouldn't mind the show like. I just think that the politics of everyone there, the writers and the actors, yeah. um, is different than that. And so I think that in the spirit of the show as it was when it started, it should be a little anti-establishment, a little less conservative. Right. So I think that the message of the show has become less about you know, these, these leftist politics and more just about being popular. But it's like
0: anything else, right? When you become part of the establishment, it's tough to position yourself as anti-establishment. I think, to some degree. And I think that's well, part of the know, issue. Fish
1: can do it. Who can? Fish. <laughs> <laughs> Bands like Fish, Yeah. You know, they, they do their thing and they say their thing. And, you know, um, I think SNL would still be, is still where it's going to be no matter what they do.
0: Yeah. Uh, so you're performing live there for like 12 years in front of audiences. How long? I mean, so were you doing I, it in college? No, I'm going back even before SNL. Oh, okay. You're doing improv in Chicago. What were, you, were you doing stuff like even before that? How long uh-huh. were you
1: performing was, on
0: stage for people?
1: I, I, started, when I was, uh, t- started taking classes when I was 21. Okay. And then I got in a touring company when I was 22. And so I was performing for six years before I got in SNL.
0: And then you were on SNL for like eight. Eight. So it's 14 years of performing in front of audiences, and then all of a sudden you're off SNL, you're not doing it anymore. Was it just weird to all
1: of a sudden you're not getting that adrenaline? Yeah, totally weird. Yeah, and then I'd I was i gone through a breakup, yeah. and I had an operation. What was the uh, f- operation? For sleep apnea. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I was like, yeah. uh, in the middle of the night, I'd stop breathing. I'd wake up, like, <gasps> you know. Yeah. Insane. I think it's what killed uh, that football player, White. That big Packers football player. Oh, Reggie White. Reggie White, yeah. 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 He had sleep yeah. apnea and died like that. Wow. Uh, and so, you know, people like that affected me and I was like I should go get this figured out so I had all these things kind of happen at once so I was watching a depression program on PBS and they're like three things that can factor into depression <laughs> losing your job an operation uh, a breakup in a relationship so that all kind of happened at the same time and you realize like oh holy shit, I'm depressed well I always knew I was depressed but this yeah. but then it really hit hard like yeah because you know, then it's like then because you're uncertain about all these things at once and then you come to California and you're like okay you know, people are pitching shows and you're pitching ideas, but when you're working with these people at SNL and then you go to LA and work with these other people, it's not just a way different, yeah. way different situation, you know? And so it feels like, um, you know, I don't want to be an ass to these people, but I also, I'm just not digging it. Well, you were playing like on
0: a 60 win NBA team and now it's like, Hey, come run with us. We play, and you're probably like,
1: yeah. Eh. So, but basically what I ended up doing was just kind of avoiding anything. Uh, so you just checked out? I kind of checked out because I was drinking a lot, and I was like, I just I need a time to, to to stay away. But then I was kind of doing that thing where I would sabotage sh- the auditions, and not really like I was trying to like not be fired from my agency, but also not take anything that was offered. Yeah. Um, and in but it was just like and then I quit drinking, so it was like it was all like rebuilding after SNL because for SNL how now, many years was I that? put my whole life into it. Yeah, it was my number one. And uh, you know we were drinking, and, and it was like every day was like filled, and then one day it's over, and then you got to kind of adjust. So um, then I just went back and said, "Well, I'm going to be—I'm going to what my goal now is going to be what I find funny, you know, what I'm, what I want—I want my, you know, people to go, oh, that guy's not just Gobi or not just Carol, you know, I wanted because I because I have more to 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 joke about. So that's kind of what I've been doing lately, and now well, it's translated of- into. It's me over there. It's coming right into my Horatio podcast. Yeah. So when did you start that? Uh, a month ago. And we got a write-up in Entertainment Weekly, and, uh, and Seth was nice enough to have me on and talk about it, so we got, we got a nice chunk of listeners, and, um, and it's all my friends in L.A., comedians come in. We do sketches, we do songs, we do Oh, so calls. it's not just
0: traditional podcasts. You're actually, like, trying to do stuff. Yeah, we're do- yeah. Not like this lazy one where I just sit you in a chair and we stare <laughs> at each other. <laughs> no, this yeah. is Yeah, uh, you actually put like thought into one. yours.
1: Well, mine, uh, my studio's in the basement, so I, I roll out of bed and I go downstairs and we start recording. And so we record a bunch of, we record probably, like, four or five hours a show. Really? And then he edits it down. And so, who, who is
0: this attached to? Is this
1: totally on your own or are you attached to... It's with Earwolf. Earwolf's distributor Okay. And my friend Chad Kruger is the guy who does everything else. I speak and bring friends in.
0: So it's going to be like one hour a week. Like what's your it's goal? Forty,
1: forty, about forty to forty-five minutes a week.
0: And you're just cramming in. You have guests. Yeah, and, sketches. and so we're going to go.
1: We're, I'm doing a show tonight here, and we're going to, you know, maybe uh, re- record people tomorrow in a hotel as they're coming out, because all we really need is like just little bits and pieces. It's like a lot like, um, like that NPR show. The, yeah, yeah, the one yeah. they edit. Right. Yeah. So th- this. Right so how long we're kind did of avoiding a format, and I think it's kind of working.
0: So how long did it take? Like it sounds like you went through some stuff after you left SNL. How many years was that? Like where you were just trying to rebuild your life, get it back together. Like five years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like I.
0: What was the tipping point?
1: Um, or what?
0: What was the tipping point? That, the other way. All that was
1: happening, and I was just really unhealthy, and so like. And then it became. Well, are you just? Are you just not auditioning for stuff because you just rather be in bed? Yeah. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so then it became, I better just fix myself up before I die. Because, but when did you start feeling good again? Um. Well, pre- like the two years after I quit drinking, I was I was much better. Yeah. Because then the, the two years of worrying about not drinking, kind of, things get easier and easier. Um. And so those 5 years were great because that's all I all I had to work on really was getting better. So I didn't give myself any like you need to be on TV, you need to have a show. It was just no, just get better. Uh lose the weight. Right. Because I had, I was about to get diabetes. I had high blood pressure and you know, I just I saw this I saw it coming, you know. The the fat guy.
0: Well, and then, and there that is like a weird legacy with that show of, to some degree where like the either the heavyset guy or the straight out fat guy and he's life of the party guy and and then and he dies yeah <laughs> well and then and then he starts living 24 yeah. 7 going crazy and
1: um i yeah and i think a lot of that is uh is just pressure that you put on yourself to be funny yeah and just uh, like i i don't really i'm not that funny off camera really um i mean i am with friends but i'm not constantly trying to make everyone laugh right. And that's those, that's what kind of guy farley was and it, you know he you was
0: life for the party all the time funny. always yeah
1: he'd make one person laugh. he'd like to do a pratfall for one person you, know? you
0: must have known him in chicago right
1: i knew him briefly because his brother toured with me at second city
0: yeah, yeah. His, okay his
1: brother johnny uh so you I caught him near the tail end then yeah 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 and uh
0: were you on the show when he hosted or were you, were you not there no yet? that
1: was like the year before I got, yeah, I, I think that was in 97.
0: Yeah. Well, that, the podcast sounds fun. I look for, I'm going to check it out. I look forward to yeah, it. Yeah, you
1: definitely should. It's hoorayshow.com. Okay. Find it on iTunes. Find it on iTunes. YouTube? You, uh, just, yeah, just, I don't know if YouTube, maybe. All right.
0: Good luck <laughs> with that. Good luck with that. I think that sounds really cool.
1: Thank you, man. I had a very right, pleasant man. time.
0: All right. Um, Horatio Sands, South by Southwest. We'll be back with more after this. <laughs>
1: So I get to sign off. Whoa. Thank you for downloading The B.S. Report with Bill Simmons. Too much fun. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at PodCenter at ESPNRadio.com. Peace out.
0: Gotta say, Gola, great call on grabbing Subway for lunch and getting guacamole on our subs. Told you this new guac really amps up the flavor. Yep, something adding up, things can be great. Guacamole on your sub, a new co-host to replace you. What was that? Oh, no, nothing.
1: Subway now has deliciously rich new guacamole made from ripe house avocados with just a hint of garlic, onion, and jalapeno. Discover how new guacamole turns up the flavor on any of your freshly made favorites. Subway, eat fresh.